Hey, y'all. This is Gretchen from Always a Lessons Empowering Educators podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts, but make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, everybody. In episode 34 of Podcast PD, we are talking student teaching. Chris and I are going to have our first experience with our own student teachers. So let's get this thing rolling. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, AJ Bianco, and me, Chris Nessie. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for Podcast PD. First and foremost, I also want to thank our Podcast PD listening club for joining us this summer. We are currently in week eight as we record. And once you start listening or joining us in our group, You'll be joining us for our final week of the summer. Fear not, because we will be continuing during the school year. And we want to hear from you. We want to know what podcast you're interested in, what we can do to help you grow and learn. And we definitely want to hear your thoughts on the podcast that we share. So join us in the podcast listening group. Chris, where can they find that? They can reach out to any of us on Twitter or on Voxer. They can send us an email, uh, feedback at podcastpd.com. And we'll be happy to add them to the group. And I, I got to just throw in here, it has been a blast to connect with some new people. There are a lot of people we know in the group, but some new people who obviously came to us from listening to the show. So thank you guys and gals for joining us this summer. It's something we thought would be like an experiment. We didn't know what was going to happen or how successful it was going to be. And I think it was really successful. I agree. I really like um, everyone's ideas being floated around, bandied about, questions being asked, advice being given and um, asked for. And it's been a great learning opportunity for me. It's been a great way for me to dive into some professional learning, even though I haven't gone to a lot of conferences this summer. Um, And I'm definitely missing the last great one here in New Jersey um, because I have other obligations. But it's been kind of nice to hear different voices from around the country um, and just get so many different thoughts and ideas shared about in our little Voxer group. I totally agree. I think it's been great meeting people and listening to people and sharing opinions. Uh, it's great to hear from like-minded educators. And it always makes me wish I could work closer with those people. And I think we should all just break away, start our own charter school, really get this thing going. Now, speaking of school, in our last episode, in episode 33, we were talking about school. And specifically, we were talking about how to engage students on the first day of school or right at the beginning of the school year. Well, it just so happens that ASCD published a blog post in between the time we recorded episode 33 and the time we released the episode. This blog post was titled six questions to ask your students on day one. And I've got the six questions here and we're going to link to the full detailed blog post in our show notes for this episode. The six questions were number one. And again, ask these of your students on day one. And really, I think you could ask them anytime. Number one, what are you passionate about? Number two, how do you want to be recognized? Number three, what do you see as your greatest strength? Number four, and actually, this is really only good for the first day of class. uh, What name do you want used when calling on you in class? Number five, what will a successful school year look and feel like at the end of the year? I think that's a really cool question. And number six, what are the characteristics or attributes you want in a teacher? And yes, I like that question, and I think more teachers should open that can of worms. See, when I saw those questions, I was reading the document, and you posted those questions. I thought those questions were fantastic. You know, I think it's good to get get learning off on the right foot. You know, we talked about, you know, some kind of icebreakers, and I think this is perfect. This is simple. You know, we could keep talking about student voice in the classroom, having these questions put out there and having a nice discussion with our classes about their expectations and their goals and expectations. Did I just say expectations twice? Yes. I think I might have. Yeah, we we expected very, it. It's <laughs> yeah. very important. 
yeah. those expectations, you know, not just, not just rules and regulations. We got to talk about the stuff that we want these kids to walk away with. So I, I think these questions are really good to spark a, a positive conversation in the first day of class. Yeah. And, and if you're listening to this or whether it's you or, you know, somebody who learned as an undergrad that you have to start the year tough and uh, I know Stacy's uttered this phrase once, not to, and you don't do this, but you've used the phrase, you know, don't smile till Christmas. <laughs> I've um, never said that. No, not that you believe it, but I somewhere in our time together, you've mentioned the phrase. Oh, okay. Uh, trust me. What? Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but begin the year by you know setting and creating an environment of reflection and support, uh, and again. I'll put a link in to podcastpd.com slash 34 with a whole link to these questions. And there's like a little paragraph for each one. So we just wanted to get you guys up to speed as we are starting this episode. You know, I'm looking at this list, Chris, and it kind of reminds me of um, something that I did when I was in the classroom. We did um, because we did responsive classroom in um, two of the buildings that I've worked in. This was always part of the hopes and dreams phase. And it was the hopes and dreams questionnaire that went home to parents I always did this as a pen and paper questionnaire that I would send home in our welcome letter that was always mailed out. But in this digital age, this could easily be translated into a Google form. And even if you don't have time to ask all of these questions of each student on the first day, a Google form is a great way to capture student responses, parent responses. And there are a couple other things that you could probably add on your own. Just getting past the academic and talking about the personal and the social emotional which is a huge part of responsive classroom. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. If you are an expert in responsive classroom, we would love to have you come on because that is a topic that I've been wanting to have talked about on Podcast PD for a really long time. Um, having been formally trained for two summers, I'm passionate about what responsive classroom does, but I don't feel like I'm the expert anymore. So if you're listening and you want to come on, let us know. Yeah. Send an email to feedback at podcastpd.com. Guys, I'm super excited because your Vox um, this past week when we were talking about what we we're going to talk about on today's show was you guys are getting soon teachers. And it wasn't until right before this recording that I realized you did not, you, neither of you have had student teachers. Yeah, n never had one. How long have you been teaching, Chris? Uh, this is, will be my 11th year. And AJ? This will be year 14. Wow. I just want to ask you a quick question, like, was it like your own decision not to take a student teacher before now, or was it an opportunity that was never offered to you, or was it something you were never interested in? Like For me, the the majority of my 11 years were non-tenured, where I was going from like long-term sub-position to long-term sub-position, so obviously not eligible in that role. The role I'm in now, this is the first opportunity that I've had, and actually it came about because uh, where I'm at, you know, right near Rutgers University... I, I filled out a survey. We got an email. All the teachers in my district and school got an email from the Graduate School of Education at Rutgers, and I filled out a survey and expressed interest in wanting to do this and take on what I think is a really important role in education. That is fantastic. AJ, what about you? Yeah, so for me, I've never actually had an opportunity before. I've never had it brought up to me or anything. I've known in a variety of different schools I've been in, I've seen math teachers or science teachers always get their student teacher and I never had a socialized teacher. So any new teacher that was in their building, I just basically took them on as they were my student teacher and I mentored them. But this is my first chance that I was actually asked, do you want a student teacher? And do you think uh, just out of curiosity, because I'm thinking like back to my own experience as a student in school, I think student teachers happened a lot in elementary and a lot in high schools because elementary, that makes sense. But like high school, when you're talking about content area, does it make more sense to focus in a high school than than it would in a middle school? I don't know. I mean, I've seen plenty of student teachers come and go in my district. Um, so it's not like we don't take them. I'm just wondering why. And like you're saying, like math, that makes sense because I think math is hard to place. Same thing with science, but social studies, I think that would be easier to place. Yeah. I think a lot of places probably prefer doing a high school because there's so many different preps that they can have. And they can do a lot of different topics and, and go that route. Uh, I know when I was doing my student teaching for my undergrad, they wanted me to do one placement in a middle school. And I did that for like eight weeks, whatever it was. And the next placement was actually in a high school. 
since my major was you know, adolescent education, I had to do both placements. So I didn't even have a full time at one place. I had split it eight and eight or however it broke down. I remember right. when, that's a big part of it. I remember when I student taught that the, the whole experience, the full semester was in a high school, but leading up to that, you know, you have, you have to do so many hours of observation time and spend some time in classrooms leading up to that. And I remember spending time at the elementary level, some time in the middle school and, and even time in the high school. And then when it came time to student teach, it, it was just, you know, what high school do you want to be in? Or, you know, it was to be placed in high school. Again, AJ and I are both social studies. That's kind of interesting, though, that you had to do an elementary experience because it, that that was like, again, that was like in a semester, 10 hours of go to an elementary school classroom because I was getting and pursuing the elementary certification. So was I. Oh, you know what's ironic, gentlemen? I started out as high school or as secondary ed social studies, and I ended up in elementary. So it's kind of interesting that we all flip flopped. And I'm not in my concentration and you guys are I didn't flip-flop. I always knew I wanted to teach like middle or high school. But when it came down to like, gee, I'm going to have to get a job. It doesn't – it didn't cost me anything additional to get the additional certification or take the – it was one extra class and that was child psychology. I was always elementary. I I went into the field. Like I went into my undergrad like I'm going to be an elementary teacher. And my first observation in elementary classroom, a kid came up to me with a booger on their finger. (laughs) (laughs) I went to my sister who was at the high school. I said, nope. Hey, how you doing over there? Hey, hey, I'm out. <laughs> that's how I was doing. I'm out. Oh, my gosh. That's I'm hysterical. Year, I just switched. I'm like, I think I'm better in the middle school. Yeah, I just I didn't even pursue education in my undergrad, it, even though I entered as a as a secondary ed major. I just focused on all the random academics that I could. And I graduated with a major and a double minor after changing my major in my senior year. You know, like normal people do. But now, yeah, I, so. I, I got to say, I am like uber, exci- like beyond words excited to have this opportunity, you know, because because AJ, like you talked about, you know, never having had one when you see the new teacher in your building, you kind of gravitate to them because yeah, that's our personality. You know, we want to be helpful and, you know, show them the ropes or, you know, make sure they feel included. So I, I can relate to that because I've done that also with new teachers in a number of schools that I've worked in. And I always appreciated that when I was the new person in a new school that I could identify or somebody identified me and, you know, made me feel welcome. Yeah. I'm excited as well. You know, I agree with everything you're saying. I I do gravitate. I do want to make sure I'm helpful, you know, but I'm a little nervous, you know, getting a student teacher and why are you nervous? The way I teach my class is different from what they might want to do in a class. That's what I'm thinking. Exactly the same thing. Like if I'm like, okay, we're going to do our personalized learning. We're going to do our blended learning in our flipped classroom. I don't know what to do for you. Like I have to kind of restructure, and this is going to sound weird. I have to restructure how I teach for a little bit of time just to get them to feel comfortable with the teaching aspect and not so much the guide on the side, you know, because that's not an experience. Like, yes, them getting to know students and seeing how students work and learning ways to collaborate with students, that might be great, but they're also going to want to learn how to teach a class and not just integrate technology. Because what if they don't go to a school with technology? Okay. Now, I, I, I got to almost kind of flip this on its head. We, we just talked about at the start of this episode, you know, let's start our own school and, you know, we're, we're connected educators and all of those things. And we're doing teaching and education differently. You know, my whole last school year was completely different than anybody in my building's social studies department, you know, project-based learning, thematic, the whole thing. I believe in that. Now, I don't, I don't know that I want to make my student teacher a clone, but cert, I mean, look, I look at it this way. Do I want to change how I teach the class and have them have my students have one experience for half a year and then try to completely change that when the student teacher is gone. If I want, I want to start the year by saying, you know, there's not going to be homework. Does my student teacher need to learn how to give homework? Or should I try and influence what they're going to become as an educator about the value of giving or not giving homework? I think there are a couple of things you need to keep in mind, right? Like not everyone's experience is going to be exactly the same. 
your district and their placement is really a temporary holding place for them to learn as much as they can. So you need to teach them as much as they can. Right. But then the other piece of that is they're going to have requirements that they have to meet. And Chris, I know you mentioned that you have, you're going to have a Google hangout with your student teacher prior to the start of the school year. And I think that that's really good because I think that that kind of sets a foundation for you before school starts so that you can alter any expectations that you have prior to. And AJ, if that's not happening for you, I would highly recommend it because I don't think your student teachers start with you on day one, do they? I expect mine to be there on day one. Okay. So that's your expectation, but what no, is no, 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 no. I mean, uh, that's what I expect based on seeing other student teachers in my district. Okay. That they'll be there on day one. See, and I ask this because while I have had a student teacher, my student teacher came in the spring semester. So, you know, I started the new year for like three weeks before she even came because, you know, most semesters for spring don't start until the end of January. So like I had a few weeks to prep my kids for what I considered an interloper um, to talk, you know, like to kind of take over my classroom Um and actually, I think you could, I, I got to hone in on that phrase, take over the classroom. So don't let me forget that. Yeah. So I think that there's so, so one thing I want you to consider is like, it's it's almost like a marriage, right? Like you have your way of doing things and your spouse has her way of doing things. Right. And so just consider the student teacher as your spouse. And then you kind of have to find your together way of doing things. And that for me, that for me was kind of tricky. Well, hold on. You say marriage. This is going to be for lack of better terms, this is going to be like a three-way because it's me. I have an in-class support teacher, two different ones that I'll be working with in my block schedule, plus the student teacher. So this is a three-way relationship. But is your student, so here's another consideration. Is your student teacher a gen ed student teacher or is your student teacher a special ed student teacher? I don't know yet. I don't know if they're- I'm guessing if you don't know, then that person is probably gen ed. But I don't know I, if they're getting also the, like, maybe if they're also tacking on the special ed certification. But then their student teaching experience with you is probably not focused on special education. Right. That's my then, point. But but then the student teacher in, in my classroom will also learn how to co-teach with an in-class and work with an in-class support teacher. Which I was just going to say is going to be brilliant for your student teacher. Like that person is your, is your student teacher a uh, woman, man? Uh, he, he's a man. Just so I can throw a pronoun out there instead of saying your student teacher over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, he's going to have a really great experience in that not only is he going to ha- learn how to work with you and be mentored and coached into being a great teacher, because I believe that you are a great teacher and that you have a lot to offer other people. But he's also going to have the opportunity to not only work with one other special education teacher, but two. And I think that there's so much to be gained from that because there are no two people who are exactly alike, who behave in the same ways, who teach the same things, who teach the same things exactly the same way, who have the same expectations. And learning to work with more people is definitely definitely going to be to your student teacher's benefit. And he is going to learn a tremendous amount from September to December when you know he goes off and has well, see, that very that's long one question I have. I, I don't know if this. A young person is going to be with me for just a semester, or I, I don't. I don't even know what the new requirements are. Is is this a full year placement? I don't even know. So that's something I got to ask him about. See, and that's kind of interesting too, because it's been six years since I've had a student teacher. So, and things have definitely changed, and things have definitely changed since the time when I was a student teacher to the time when I took a student teacher. So, and, and actually, you say that one thing that jumps into my head, and AJ, I don't know if for you as well been reflecting once i heard this i've been reflecting on my own student teaching experience and dealt with a number of issues during that semester where i was a student teacher um ultimately it it has positively made me the teacher i am today i I thought about that like what what don't i want to do what type of experience do i want to create for the student teacher uh aj what what is what are some of the things you've been thinking about well, so this basically just came to me about well a week ago from this time we were recording. Uh, I got an email from my principal. Would you be interested? And I jumped on it. You know, I was on vacation with my family. I saw the email. I was like, I have to respond to this now. I'm not going to wait till I get back. I want to. I want to get this thing in motion. So the information started to come about slowly, and I just got some information before the weekend. So, you know, I, I'm just. I think it, 
you said exactly what I'm looking, what I was thinking. What kind of classroom do I want this person to see? Because it, it seems like my person uh, has been in a classroom before as um, an instructional aide, you know, and has done education before. So they've seen classrooms. So now they're going to come into my classroom that's been probably extremely different from what they're used to. So, so for me, I'm just thinking, what am I going to show and how am I going to help this person grow? Since they've been in a classroom, they've seen, you know, quote unquote, the typical classroom lecture style, textbooks, worksheets. Now they're going to get into something a little different where there's a lot of technology integrated. There's a lot of uh, student-led discussion and student-led well, personalized learning, however you want to define what I do. So I'm just trying to put everything together. I really want to reach out to this person because like I said, I just got the information. So I want to put things in motion because they are starting with me for the first half of the year, 70 days starting in September. Right, right. Just doing the basic math that looks like they're coming in the first day of school. You know, so I want to make sure that here's what I'm doing day one. I want you on board. I want you involved, you know, and I want you part of the class. Like, don't stay in the back of the room. I remember my first time student teaching. Uh, granted, I got a job where I was student teaching. I sat in the back of the room for a week, two weeks, just taking notes, observing, learning who the kids were. I don't want this person to do that. I want this person to come in and really put their their hands on the classroom and make it some kind of imprint that is going to stay with the students from day one until June. Not when this person leaves, but until June. I feel the same way. This person's going to have life lessons, you know? I want you to consider yourself, walk the walk, talk the talk. You are a teacher and you are going to be their teacher from day one along with me, along with our in-class support teachers that we work with. Don't be sitting in the back. I I want to push them right in the frying pan. Not not necessarily to teach full-blown lessons. Be integrated. You got something to say, say it. Let, let's we're going to we're going to co-teach and work together and you know, there'll be times I step away and let you do your thing. I want to almost say, "Hey, you're a full-time teacher. Treat this like this is your class and I'll advise you after the fact during, you know, some I mean, I I, I, I wouldn't step out of the room even if I was allowed to leave because you know, with sports, I, I can't help a player get better if I don't see what they're doing. Yeah. Mentor, mentor, coach, uh, psychologist, whatever the case may be, this person's going to sounding board. Yeah, exactly. Get your hats on gentlemen, get round up all of your hats. Cause you're going to be wearing them all. And Chris, that was always my attitude that any person who worked with me in my room for any length of time was always a guest and part of the experience. So like when I had an instructional assistant, um, they were always part of my lesson, whether they were there for my students who had special needs or they were there um, with me just for the writing you know, portion of my day. Like they were there doing the things that I was doing. They might not necessarily be delivering my instructional assistance. I mean, might not necessarily be delivering my mini lesson, but they were there, you know, having conversations, having conferences with my students, reinforcing the lesson that took place during the day. I never dismissed them to like go do busy work. That was never what I envisioned for my instructional assistants, let alone my student teacher. So she was always like in the throes of it um, from day one. And quite honestly, when I had her in the classroom, it was great because at that point I had three people who could conference with my kids. I got so many conferences done during reading writing workshop. It, I was like, on fire. My kids were like blowing through text and blowing through units of study at a pace that I'd never seen before because, you know, it's not often that you have two to three people in your room all the time. And I think that that's, um, it's, it's, it's to the benefit of the kids and to your student teacher to make sure that he or she is included from get go, whether it be to interject with a different way to phrase something or, um, for them to offer their own spin on things or for, you know, just even like light anecdotal stories. Like what's interesting is your student teachers, both of you will be closer in age to the students that they're teaching than my student teacher was. Right. So while our student teachers are probably about the same age, especially if they are, you know, traditional college age students, but I taught first graders when I had a student teacher. So there are six and seven. <laughs> so this woman coming into my classroom was still an adult who, you know, had some authority. Whereas like for you, Chris, especially like your student teacher is likely to be six, seven years older than most of your students. Right. Yeah. 
And, and like, how relatable is that? Like having those conversations, it's actually having a social studies student teacher, um, my sophomore year in college is what made me want to be a social studies history teacher, like a history teacher in high school. But I know this show is supposed to be focused on like getting you guys ready to have student teachers. So I know you guys are excited and you have some, um, I don't want to say anxiety, but like some thoughts that are like questions maybe that are running through your head. So what other questions do you guys have for each other? Um, well, here I, I can totally jump on because I am I have notes aside from our notes. So AJ, I don't know if, how, if you can answer this. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But how does having a student teacher, again, someone who's going to start the year with us, how does that impact our SGO here in New Jersey? I, I'm not sure. If you remember, I don't, I don't follow the exact SGO process in my school because we oh, that's, have that, that action, okay. action research. So I, I think for me, my action research is going to start day one. And I don't think it actually matters who else is in the classroom as long as you have the appropriate data right. come Okay, so then my so that's one question. I'll get more information on that and I'll report back on this, obviously. Chris, don't your SGO results have to be in by the end of the year? That there's a there's a, an assessment that takes place here at the beginning of the school year. Oh, you take a benchmark. We don't do that. So there, there's that. I and love then- the consistency in, in New Jersey. AJ doesn't have regular SGOs. We don't do benchmarks and you do. There we go. Episode for another day. So I need to find out more information on that, meaning... How does this person teaching my students impact how I'm evaluated? Okay, I want this person to teach from day one and be involved. What happens when they come around and they're like, hey, it's time for your first or second observation where I need to get evaluated? Am I then like teaching a lesson and stopping their student teaching so I can teach to be observed? So, I mean, that's that's something that's kind of going around in my head. Well, with that one, I would just say, because you're in a classroom setting, I would just talk to the administration and tell them, you're going to see a co-teaching lesson. I'm going to let my student teacher take control, but I'm also going to help out in different ways. So you're not going to see me teach a lesson. You know how I do that. I've been doing it for X amount of years. Right. You're going to see me handle students and you're going to see how I mentor somebody through a process. So make that part of my evaluation. That, that I love that. And quite honestly, you guys have the opportunity because your first observation and typically that's that includes the pre-op, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I've always been asked, what do you want me to look for? Like, there's your opportunity to be like, so this is my first time having a student teacher. Like, what else could I be doing to facilitate not only him, but my students and my other co-teachers in the classroom? Like, how are, how can we leverage all of these people in the room at one time? Because you get to direct where the observation goes a lot of times through the pre-observation, you have a lot of opportunity to like talk about what you're already doing and then improve based on what you're already doing. But also, hey, administrator, when you come in, can you please also make, make a couple of notes for the student teacher? And, and th- that's actually something where I think back to my own student teaching experience where the supervisor came in to see me teach one time during that semester. Your supervisor or the social studies supervisor for the district? The supervisor for the district I was in. There was a social studies supervisor in the school. That person only came to see me teach once. And provided limited feedback. Whereas I would have liked that person looking back, do a formal observation, do a pre-conference with me as an administrator and have me experience that process. So knowing that I didn't get that experience, I'm looking to maybe foster that based on my administrator's availability to do a pre-conference with them, observe them, do the post-conference with them and see them teach because I think that's to their benefit and maybe do a walkthrough and come in to see what they're doing and give them as much feedback as possible. Now, the other thing that I did once I found this out was I immediately went to Google and I did a number of searches on working with a student teacher, how to coach a student teacher. So I actually came up with some resources that I've read, but I'm going to include here. And they were, uh, these are, again, these will be in the show notes, uh, podcastpd.com slash 34. Uh, One from ASCD, which was 10 tips for mentoring a student teacher. The second was from teachhub.com titled how to mentor a student teacher and an article from Edutopia that I really liked, which was nine tips for supervising student teachers. So AJ, I will share those with you in advance 
just so you've got some resources here at the end of the summer. Um, but those are three articles I looked at already, and I have I've known about this for less than a week. Question based on like that research that you've done, right? Like it sounds like you have twenty plus tips, right? Ten plus nine plus you know plus whatever the mentoring article gives you. What was your number one takeaway? I don't know that I have a number one because it's again between these three posts, all none of it bad. Okay, um, but I guess a, a, a theory or a philosophy or a way to look at this whole thing is to do what. what <laughs> my takeaway is to make sure that while I'm with the student teacher and they're with me, that I do everything in my power to provide feedback and give them the opportunity to ask a lot of questions and really drive home and, and build up them as an educator, walk them around the building, introduce them to people outside of your content area, make sure that, you know, administration gets to know them. Yeah. And on that note, Chris, make sure that they observe other content areas as well. Absolutely. For other grade levels, if they're sticking with social studies. And other preps, because maybe this person, they love U.S. history, but I know my schedule is world history. Make sure they have the opportunity to go out and see and interact with the teachers who are teaching U.S. or, you know, vice versa, something like that. Um, right, right. Or even other disciplines. So whether, you know, like... You know, they could learn a lot from a band or orchestra teacher and a lot from like those large group settings. Because again, you never know if they're going to be in a classroom that has 17 kids or a classroom that has 35 kids. I've already. And how you manage that is very different. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I've already decided. I mean, yeah, spend time with me, but uh, yeah, go spend time in Bowtie Joe's math classroom. See how Joe runs his class and interacts and builds rapport with students. Not that I don't do that, but see another way of doing that and just getting this person out and about. So those are, I guess the big, big, big picture takeaways. All right. I like that. So giving them feedback, allowing them to ask lots of questions and introducing them to the other educators around the building. I think student teachers for AJ and I are also in a unique position because we don't just teach and we're not just involved in education in our classroom and in our building. AJ and I are connected educators. I'm looking forward to encouraging this young person, have the professional Twitter, talk to AJ, talk to AJ's student teacher, um, who, who's also maybe going to, who's obviously going to another college university, but is in the same boat you are. Hey, student teacher, Ed Camp, New Jersey is coming up. I'm part of the organizing of that. Make sure you come to this, engross yourself in uh, not engross, um, you know, embed yourself in education and, and show them all of what education can offer them as a professional educator. AJ, what are your thoughts on exposing them to everything that we do? Small doses, to be honest. I I, I don't want to just throw everything on them. Like, obviously, I'm going to invite this person to coffee to you. I'm going to discuss how I've come up with my ideas with Twitter and and, and my Instagram stuff, then, you know, they're going to, they're going to learn about that kind of stuff. I'm going to try to get them to Ed Camp, New Jersey, or some of the events like that, but like small doses, I don't want to be like, Hey, listen to the podcast. Enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really do that with a lot You're of people. You're not going to direct them to this podcast. I don't well, understand. Why would anybody listen to this podcast? <laughs> the fact that what people are listening right now, I don't That's even understand. Awesome. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I feel like none no, of that I, has to do anything with what we were talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to share that with them. Like I said, this person has been in a classroom before, so they've been exposed to education. So it'd be good to see, you know, what they know already or what they've heard. So I'm excited for that. AJ, that's a really good um, point. Not necessarily not overexposing them, although I think that there is definitely a fine line depending on who you're working with, um, on how much you give and how often, and you know, and, and taking that slowly depending on, like I said the person that you're, that you're in charge of or, you know, working with. But I think that um, listening to what they already know or what they already think that they know is really, really important. I think you can glean a lot of information from your student teacher's previous experiences, whatever they may be. Oh, absolutely. Um, Because they, they, they are living a life. They have perspective. They have their own experiences, personal and professional. Absolutely. 
Yeah. My student teacher um, came from Ryder, which is another big education school here in New Jersey. And um, she had a lot of experience prior to not only through Ryder, but, you know, her like her biggest aspiration was to work in a preschool um, and elementary early childhood education, which is where I was, was her way to get there. And um, she didn't care if it was public preschool, like in a traditional district or whether it was uh, a paid preschool like our kids go to. But um, that was that's what she really, really wanted to do was work with little, little people. And I've done that before. I've worked in a preschool. Um, I didn't go to college for that, but that's what she wanted to do. She, you know, I think right now she's actually the director of one of those top named, like with those well-named um preschools and and she's loving every bit of it so knowing what they want to do afterwards where they're coming from is really really important in how you direct them through their experience does that make sense right again we're wearing the hats we're trying to put everything together for this person so that you know they 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 can live out their aspirations whatever they may be and they're only going to get better by having more experiences and asking questions. Yeah, they definitely can't be afraid to ask all the questions. This has actually been really eye-opening. Stacy. you have already asked me questions, and AJ, let us know if you agree or disagree, but I, I feel like my eyes have been opened even more to the responsibility of this whole thing. No, I, I completely agree with that. Even the small things, you know, introducing the person to other staff members, and, you know, it sounds silly, but just listening and not just being a teacher. The focus is outside of that. So yeah. Thank you, Stacy, for uh, even just posting those questions. Yeah. And, and by no means did we cover everything that could possibly be covered with this topic. So I, I think it's safe to say that there'll be another episode or a conversation after this one where AJ and I can report back on our experience, maybe bring the student teachers on and get their perspective on this whole thing. <laughs> Again, as AJ, you said, small doses, or as I'm probably going to go with, baby steps. I don't know you doing baby steps, so I have a feeling this person will be on the episode September 5th or whatever the case may be. <laughs> I think this person is going to be running Ed Camp in November. <laughs> this person's going to have their own student teaching podcast by the 10th. <laughs> um, hey. It'll be part of the Education Podcast Network. Hey, remember, hey, you're, we're dealing with a pusher here. I'm going to push this person to this grow. This is true. <laughs> I love it. Have them come up with their one word. Ooh, I like that one word wow. for the student teaching experience. Yeah. And this way they get to reset for January if they want to. There you go. But I've thought about having a one word for the school year and a one word for the person, like my personal experience. But I don't know if that goes against the one word idea. What? Stop it. <laughs> so I'm going to kick this off. I've been listening to a new podcast. The podcast is called So We've Been Thinking. This podcast is just getting started, and I've seen a lot of tweets and Instagram posts from these gentlemen who I, I think are putting together a really great podcast for innovation and and uh, putting ideas out there for how to change education for the better. And the gentlemen are from the EdTech Teacher Innovation Project, and they're Sean and Greg. And they're sharing stories about their experiences in education. They're talking to other educators. They're talking to students. And they're even getting people from the business world involved. And they have about 10 episodes with teasers and some bonuses. But I really think – I'm not going to give you one episode because I really think that you need to find this podcast. So we've been thinking. And I think you need to listen. They're quick. And I really think you will enjoy the innovative ideas that are shared between these two gentlemen. Uh, I've been following these guys for a while. I've met them way back in the day, but uh, their ideas are really, really great. So give Sean and Greg a listen and enjoy it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it uh, and keep plugging away and posting. And I know that they'll be uh, responding to your tweets and Instagrams. I, I looked it up as you were sharing, AJ, and I, I have seen their posts on Twitter. I've seen the Instagram posts uh, and their website. If you want to head right over there, and this will be in the show notes, but it's so we've been thinking.com. That's where people can go to find this podcast. I'm going to go next. And first, before I make a recommendation or three, <laughs> uh, thank you, Stacy. You recommended the podcast called Tech Meme Ride Home. 
I subscribed. I now listen. I don't listen every day because I set it in overcast to just keep the latest episode. So I listen to it when I can, but I've listened to over the summer, a good number of them, maybe two or three a week. And I really enjoy this podcast. So thank you for recommending that podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad you like it. I still listen to that daily. And it's funny because now Robbie wants to listen to that with me. So I, he doesn't listen to anything outside of the car with me, but he gets very excited when Tech Meme comes on, if I haven't already listened to it, and we get to listen to it together in the car. So enjoy. I, I have been, so thank you. Thank you very much. In addition to this, also, as you guys know, back over the summer, I attended Podcast Movement 2018 in Philadelphia, which was a bless. We might have to dedicate a whole episode where I can rant about that, but I got to attend this conference that's all about podcasting and creating podcasts. I learned a lot of new things. and I have a couple of recommendations from just attending and meeting other podcasters. So the first one that I recommend that I've subscribed to and I've been listening to because I met the host is called You Want to Do What? And the host is Monica Rivera. She's a Jersey girl, North Jersey. And here's a quick description of her show. Do you remember when you were a kid and life was about fun? Then adulting happened. And you may even struggle to remember the last time you did something just for you. You want to do what reconnects you to your goals, dreams, and bucket list items. She does a really nice job with this podcast. And I've listened to her back catalog. It's a younger show. And I've been listening throughout the summer. So I recommend you guys listening and both of you check out You Want to Do What. I will check it out. I haven't gotten rid of my little kid thing. So, yeah. Cool. Nice. And the second one that I'll recommend is from somebody who I already listened to and I subscribe to their YouTube stuff, uh, maker Bob Claggett from I Like to Make Stuff on YouTube. And he's got a new podcast with the guy who does his film work and has his own YouTube channel and is a maker. And it's called the No Instructions Podcast. And this is this is a fun one because I love the format and I love the production value. Uh, the No Instructions Podcast is a dedicated time for these guys to play with toys like building Lego sets while they're recording and having conversations. So there actually is a live like video post that they put on YouTube where you can see them like they're having the conversation, but also building like the millennium Falcon out of Lego or the new Voltron Lego set, which super cool. So it's really cool because there are literally no instructions. I don't even think they look at the instructions when they're building. You hear the Legos when you're listening to the podcast. It's not distracting, but it, it, it's pretty cool, and, and I love the things that Bob does with that channel, and I instantly wanted to subscribe to this podcast, so I couldn't help but want to recommend it. Can you build a Millennium Falcon without instructions? I just find that really hard to believe. They didn't build that, but I'm saying like in the background, like he films it in a different place, and he does his traditional YouTube stuff, and you could see all the different Lego sets he's built previously. Okay. Like they're not really paying attention to the directions when they're building. Like they're open- but they're not saying, okay, it's not like a detailed build. Right. They're having conversation while they build. Yes. And right. the reason they started this podcast is he's a full-time YouTuber making his content for his channel. This mm -hmm. gives them dedicated time to literally just play. That's awesome. Having just built a gigantic Lego set this week, I'm totally down with that. All right. What did you build? Let's tangent for a second. Um. So... Our summer's coming to an end because we are going on vacation. So this is our last week. And on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, the 15th, um, I'm dating the show, but the new uh, um, Potter Castle came out. Richie mentioned that he might want that. And because I'm a gigantic Harry Potter nerd and I love Lego, um, I pre-ordered it and then I went and picked it up. They had no idea I was getting it. They didn't even know that I'd purchased it until Doug got home on Wednesday. And we went out to dinner and then all of a sudden we came in with pizza and this gigantic box that wasn't even the Lego box. It was a box inside of a like brown cardboard, corrugated cardboard box. So you couldn't even tell what Lego said it was. And they were like, oh, what is that? It said Lego on it, but that was it. Oh, and it wow. Was really cool. Yeah, so we spent um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and today building it, and we're done. It's like over 6,000 pieces. Can you commit to taking hours. a picture so we could put it in the show notes? Mm. Yeah, I'll take a picture. I want to post it onto um, 
on my Facebook, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We timed it. I don't remember exactly how much time it, it like we timed it over like the four days that we did it. That's it cool. was, it was a grand time. You should have time lapsed that. Yeah. So there are professional YouTubers who do that. And Richie watched that. And he said that even with the time lapse, the video was 54, 54 minutes. Wow. So yeah, I don't have that kind of dedication, nor do I care to look pristine on video. Which is why we will never do a video podcast. Speaking of dedication, you are a dedicated podcast listener with, gosh, you might be well over 3,000 episodes at this point of unlistened to audio content. Any recommendations for us? (laughs) I do. So my recommendation this week is um, the 10% 10 Happier podcast with Dan Harris. He is an ABC news anchor who had a um, he had a panic attack live on Good Morning America, and he tried to figure out like what caused it. And you know, years later, he found himself into mindfulness to combat some other issues that he was having. And what? he wrote. I've a book. heard him on something. I, yeah. I, heard, I heard him on another podcast. Okay, go ahead. You heard him on. Um, uh, oh my gosh. The note one. Note, note to, to self. self. You note heard him on yes. note to self. Yes. Um, and that's what tuned me into the podcast, but I had already listened to his book. So that's where I started. So he has a book called 10% Happier. And then he has another book called um, Mindfulness, Mindfulness for Fidgety Skeptics. I believe that's the name of it. But he also has this podcast, 10% Happier with Dan Harris. And I really find it interesting. They talk about, all kinds of mindfulness, all kinds of meditation. Um, but the episode that I really want to recommend is episode five with Amy Cuddy, which quite honestly is not even about mindfulness, which is kind of ironic. But she talks about her um, her power pose. And if you haven't seen that TED Talk, that TED Talk is amazing. I did a sketch note on it when I was doing my 100-day project. Um, and I just love Amy Cuddy. She also wrote a book. I listened to a different podcast about that. But um, it's just a really good podcast where if you're into mindfulness, check it out. And um, if you're into mindfulness for students and and in education, then check out our episode seven, where we um, talk to Annie Rosenberg about mindfulness and education and what she does with her kids. Um, It's just a really nice way to bring it into the classroom. I'm really not far into the back catalog. He has over a hundred episodes. Um, but it's just, it's for me, it's just like a nice way to like chill. He's talked to a couple of people, um, that you would know singers, um, other really famous people. And it, there's just a lot going on, but my favorite was the one with Amy Cuddy, just because I love, I love Amy Cuddy. And I liked, I like I like the power pose, like the wonder woman pose as they describe it. Absolutely. Great recommendation. Yeah. I, I've seen the Ted talk. Um, so I, I look forward to checking out this episode. Very cool. Yeah. Now, and there are a couple other really, really good ones. So check them all out, but that one's my favorite. Start there. Start there. <clears throat> now, Stacy, before we wrap this episode yes, and the magic happens, um, just so you know, this episode is, is coming out on August 29th. The episode yep. after that is September 12th. So that'll be episode yes. number 35 which that's where we're going to check in with where is Stacy and how many episodes of unlistened to podcasts based on a little wager over under. So that's called a callback. So we're going to circle right. back around to that on September so 12th. Episode 35. I don't even Did I tell you where I thought I was going to be or is this you guys just, we will have the audio ready to go when we record the next episode. <laughs> okay, cause, Cause I've been listening what? a ton, but I did not listen today. Because I listened to a book that I'm like totally digging, and um, I just want to finish it before my six days are up because it's I, it goes back to the library in six days. Okay so. then. But so I have a lot. Usually our numbers are way off. No, no, no. Because <laughs> listen, listen. I have a cross country, you know, flight from now. You know, like I have a lot of listening time. I'll be on a plane for six hours, going one way, and six hours coming back. I have a lot of listening time. I think I think we'll be good. Okay. So we'll see. But I didn't offer a number, did I? No, AJ and I did an over under. Yeah, we did okay. over. 
I, I won't go back and listen to that show. I don't even remember which one it was. But um, our listeners can go back if Chris tells them what episode it was. Absolutely. I'll, I'll keep an honest person to myself and just keep listening. Nice. <laughs> I added two more podcasts to my list this morning. Oh, boy. I've got issues. All right. Before we go too far down that rabbit hole, uh, obviously, you know, if, if you've enjoyed this episode and this content, we definitely want to remind you again, if you've had a student teacher and you've got advice for AJ and myself, please share it with us because we're going to be, you know, diving into this. So make sure you reach out to the show, you know, go to podcastpd.com slash feedback or connect with the two of us on Twitter or Voxer. You know, we're both out there. So please share your wisdom with us so we could turn around and be the best wisdom sharers we can with our student teachers. AJ, anything else? No, I think you hit on the head. Please uh, reach out. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what we can do and uh, any other advice that we're missing. All right. And if you want to join us in our Voxer Podcast PD listening group, reach out to any of the three of us and we will add you to the group. You'll get to have some really awesome conversation about a podcast that we are recommending or going forward that you might be recommending and it'll spark some really interesting conversation. It is time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Until we start our new year. Goodbye, everyone. Happy summer. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on ChrisNessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at IronTech. And I blog at IronTech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.